0: Mark chapter 7, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 23 this morning. Let's read the word of the Lord together. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing. Holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help I might be able to give to you, or might otherwise have received from me, is Corbin. That is, a gift devoted to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his mother or father. And thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man That makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? he asked. Do you not see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then it's expelled out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of a man's hearts, come evil thoughts and sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Let's pray. Father, we come to you again we find ourselves at the foot of your word. We ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask that you open our hearts to understand so that we would know you more fully and be able to walk out your good plans for our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if I were to give the sermon, a title this morning, I would give it this title, A New Teaching, A Story About How Jesus Turned Religion Inside Out. A New Teaching, A Story About How Jesus Turned Religion Inside Out. Might add to that, because I like long titles, and what really makes us unclean. So this morning... Before we begin, as I thought of how to process this story together with you, I want us to take a look. Have you ever seen these little pictures? And the pictures have a question. What is wrong with this picture? Have you seen these little comics? All right. The picture behind me has something wrong. Let me give you a second to look at it. This is for adults and children. Children, children. Take a look because what I want you to be talking with your mom and dad or spouses, what I want to be talking after the service is this. What is wrong with the picture that we are seeing in the scriptures today? I'll give you a minute, or not probably a minute, a few more seconds to look at this. If there's a brave soul... Anyone can tell me what's wrong with this picture. Let me try kids first. Let me try kids. CJ, you think you know this? Man, tell, teach us. There's, there's something close. You're, you're on to something. Anybody? Zeke, what do you think? They are driving. Anything about how they're driving? All right, this is the last chance for our children. Oh, Simon, I'll let, uh, CJ, I'll let Simon take a guess here. All right, so, kids, good work. Now, after the sermon, and and this is, is, honestly, this is a tool for you guys. After the sermon, talk to your mom and daddy about what we learned, because we're going to see a picture that that is not right, and I want you to talk to them about it. All right, our adults, what's wrong with this picture? Kitty, oh, all right, Kitty, come ahead. All right, yeah, so we have some clues. There's Big Ben in the background. We know this is England. We know there's a telephone booth, and we know that they're driving on the wrong side of the road, right? So if, if you take a look, you can see, okay, context is England, but they're driving as we would uh, at least in America, but also in other parts of the world. So the driver is switched. Now, this is just a simple little illustration, because what we are going to see today is that there's a significant problem with the way that religion is unfolding in Jesus' time and day. And Jesus is going to point that out to us, but the way that people are perceiving the, this picture of what it looks like to be in relationship with God and what ultimately salvation looks like and what ultimately it looks like to be clean or unclean before God is vastly different than the picture that they're showing. Now, so let's move on, and I want to take a look at our passage today by looking at three pictures or or, uh, let's take our our passage in three ways. So the first, in verses 1 to 5, what I want to see is just basically a snapshot of the system of salvation. We're going to see a snapshot of what the Pharisees are putting forward. In verses 6 to 13, we're going to kind of take a look behind the curtain because Jesus is going to address the Pharisees and he's going to address their system. And he kind of pulls the curtain back, and he makes some observations that are really critical that show us the first picture we saw is wrong. It's dead wrong. And lastly, in 14 to 23, we're going to see a new teaching that is going to turn the system inside out. And so what I want you to walk away knowing this morning, when we take a look at this, is I want you to walk away knowing what is wrong with the picture in front of us. I want you to walk away knowing where the problem lies, and I want you to walk away knowing what is the solution. Now, our passage doesn't go into the solution, but we're going to talk about where this is all pointing. So, let's begin, and I want to take a look at this verses 1 to 5 and take a look at the snapshot of the system of salvation. Let me read verses 1 to 5 again so that we can see more clearly what is taking place. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law had come from Jerusalem and gathered around Jesus. Now we have been seeing Jesus perform miracles. We've been seeing Jesus uh, grow, and uh, his his uh, I would say his fame has grown around the area of Galilee. And keep in mind our geography: that Galilee is not near Jerusalem; it's it's uh, north. And so when Jesus begins to make more and more waves. This is the second time we have seen teachers arrive from Jerusalem, kind of carrying with them some kind of authority. The first time was when they came to find out, how is Jesus casting out demons? And the accusation at that point in time was that he's casting out demons because he is the prince of the demons. And so now we have seen that Jesus' miraculous ministry has now reached another point where more leaders come from Jerusalem. And it says, and some of them, uh, and some of his disciples were eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Now, your version more than likely has verses 3 and 4 in parentheses. And if you see in those parentheses, this is an actual comment from Mark. He's trying to explain to us some of the, the rules that the Pharisees were keeping. So the actual account was simply that that Jesus' disciples, and notice it says some of them, not all of them. So some of them had apparently uh, gone to eat, and they were in the the crowd with some of the religious leaders, and they didn't wash their hands. And so they're they're going to say that they're unclean. So Mark is going to actually just explain a little more. So verses 3 and 4, Mark says, Now the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing. He says, this is holding to the tradition of the elders. And so there has been teaching that is being passed down from Israel's leaders, from from those uh, who they're looking to, to define the system of salvation, to define what it looks like to be in relationship with God, to define what it looks like to be righteous before God. This is what their leaders are doing. And the system that they're defining is one of clean hands. And the next thing is that they, even when they just come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they washed. If you've been into a marketplace uh, in countries that are not Western, then you know there there is many opportunities to, to come into contact with contaminated foods, meats, people. And so the Pharisees said even just going to the marketplace, they would not eat unless they'd washed and then he says, and they observe many other traditions such as the washing of cups or the pitchers or kettles. The NIV doesn't have, ha- have this, but the ESV, and I did, uh, I did check, it even goes to, it says furniture or couches. I don't know if that's in your version that you're reading. So the idea is it wasn't only just washing of hands. It was, it was for the e- things you eat with, and it was even now going to the furniture that you might sit on or rest on. In verse 5, it picks up and says, So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating with defiled hands? So if you were to see this picture, the Pharisees come from Jerusalem. They are looking to catch Jesus and his disciples red-handed. Obviously, they don't agree with his teaching, and they were looking for an opportunity to call him out and to show the rest of the crowds, that this Jesus who you believe is a prophet is nothing more than a sinner. And the best way that they could do that was show them how they're not keeping all the traditions of the elders. So when we look at the snapshot, so here's the first snapshot I want you to see. What I want you to see is this. In their system of washing pots and kettles and pitchers and washing hands and washing themselves when they come from the marketplace and washing furniture, what we see is how they related to God. And we see a man-made set of traditions, passed down by elders, and centered around purity laws that they had made for themselves. One thing that's really important that you need to understand from this context. When we go to the Old Testament, the idea of being clean before a holy God and the idea of being pure was absolutely fundamental to the Jew. And so you need to understand that there's actually something, there's, this, there's a kernel of something good in here, and then that's what they understood, that a holy God cannot be approached by people who are unclean. And you have to understand that the Jews couldn't even process a relationship with God without processing there is fundamentally something about who God is and His holiness that means I can't approach Him as I am. But what the Pharisees began to do in the change, notice they keep saying to the traditions of men. The Pharisees took laws that were given only to the priests who would be handling the holy foods where they had to ritually cleanse themselves as, as, as a means of coming before a holy God. So they took, they took this gift of what God had given to them and saying, here's how you can relate to me in your sin. This doesn't make you righteous, but here is how you can come before me. You, the the priests were to wash their hands so that they didn't touch the things of God and the things of the temple being unclean. What the, what the traditions that they began to build and this whole system they began to build out is that they began to apply this to everyone with everything. And you can imagine now how big this system of rule keeping and law keeping and ritual purity is. You remember in, in the Gospels have Jesus accused the Pharisees, he's like, you tie up burdens and put them on people's backs and you don't lift a finger to even help. This is the kind of stuff that Jesus is talking about. Because they can't, eat without washing the hands, or if they've been to the marketplace, they have to wash. You've got to have the proper washing of kettles and pots and pans. And now they're even making rules about the furniture. And now it's not only for those who are doing ministry in the temple before God. Now it's everyone and everywhere. And so the snapshot you're seeing is this massive rule-keeping system that is now superseded and replaced relationship with God. And everything is defined by, are you keeping the rules or are you not? And that's where we arrive. So if we take a snapshot, what we do, if you ever, we, we have this saying of catching somebody red-handed. The snapshot in the, the Pharisees' eyes is, we've caught them red-handed, dirty-handed. That here's Jesus and here's his disciples, and they're breaking the rules that we know that make you right with God and holy with God. The next thing you need to see just about this snapshot, the snapshot is how they understood what made us righteous or acceptable. And what made us righteous or acceptable was simply the strict keeping of the rules. That's what made them righteous. How did they understand defilement? They understood... And by the way, being defiled is simply... It's the opposite of being clean. Uh, and things that were used for God's presence or things that were to be used in the temple had to be clean and they had to be ritually clean and so for this this passage talking about what is defiled it simply is the opposite of what would be considered clean how did they understood what defiled they understood what defiled as simply not taking care to practice ceremonial cleansing all right, does everybody get that snapshot? So this is what we're working with. And you, you have to understand, this is the pervasive system in all of Jerusalem of how people were relating to God. And if they were to look to their leaders of how do we pursue God, this is the system that they're being invited to follow. Does everybody get that snapshot? So we need, let's just press pause, take a picture. That's what the picture looks like. It looks like the disciples red-handed, about to touch some food, and the, and the Pharisees like, caught You unclean disciples of Jesus. Now, the next thing I want us to take a look at is I want to see in verses 6 through 13, so let's move on from the snapshot of how Jesus is going to basically show us what does this system look like behind? Because now we see it up front. We see it on the surface. We see it's about these rules, and we see it's basically about can you keep the rules or not? And Jesus is going to invite us to look behind the curtain. So let me read verses 6 through 13 again. And we're going to look behind this system that the Pharisees have built. It says, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God, and you're holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses your father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, If anyone declares what he may have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin. Once again, Mark gives us some direction. What does Corban mean? He says, that is devoted to God. It's in parentheses. So Mark has given commentary. He says, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down. And then notice this, this last qualifying statement. And Jesus says, and you do many things like that. Now, what I want to zero in on in this passage is... First and foremost, let me just highlight, Jesus is going to immediately go back to Isaiah. He's going to go back to the Old Testament, and he's going to show them from their Old Testament that the kind of religion that you're practicing is exactly what Isaiah preached against. It's exactly what you, Isaiah preached against. And he calls them hypocrites. When we call somebody a hypocrite, oftentimes it's, just, it's a name-calling. But Jesus is really pointing out that they are, in fact, hypocrites, that what they're saying and what they're doing are different. And Jesus is going to give us a specific example. And so I want to go into this what this example looks like because maybe Corbin is not something that is uh, an idea that we're familiar with. So Jesus doesn't call them hypocrites. He's going to actually show a very specific example of what they're doing that makes them hypocritical. And so the example that Jesus gives us, he says, first of all, we know from the Old Testament, from God's law, that Children are to honor and love and respect their parents. So Jesus is going to quote two passages. One is from Exodus 20.12. The other is from Exodus 21.17. And they both encourage the honoring of parents. So Jesus is going to refer back to the, the Old Testament law. And what he's going to show is that they basically, in building their own system, they have willingly set aside God's laws to build their own system. Now here's what their own system does. This idea of Corbin. Here's how it works. And Mark says it's dedicated to God. Any child now moving towards adulthood was responsible for the physical well-being of their families. This is how God designed it. There's something to be seen that is beautiful and us looking after our, our mothers and our fathers in their old age. And in fact, we're told this honors God. This is His plan. His plan all along was that we, earlier we just celebrated the reality that we, we live out our faith in a community. And the same is true with God's plan for the family, is that we are never at any point isolated. So God has, has written into the way that family works that first the parents birth and take care of the children and then in the old age the children turn around and they take care of the parents and then it turns around again and the system like, that God has, has designed for the good of what does it look like is that we are in lifelong committed relationships. First God brings us in and then God literally has our children laying us down laying our heads down to rest, knowing that we are being taken care of. I'm not worried about how do I provide at this point in time in my life when I'm old and frail and can't work. So God has this beautiful system. Now, the amazing thing about these Pharisees who uh, are honoring God with their lips is they created a legal loophole where you could remain righteous and not give your money to your parents. And the way this works is this. This word Corban was you declared everything that I have Corban, which means everything I have is technically God's. It's no longer mine. And what this allowed them to do was, I know my parents might need help, but I no longer have to give them help because everything I own, my properties, my wealth, my income, my assets, everything I have, I have dedicated to God. Now, that might work, if you truly gave them all to God. But the other loophole they made was, but you actually only give them to God when you, you die, but you could use them during your lifetime. So they're mine. I gave them to God, but I could actually keep using all of my income and all of my property and all of my assets for myself. And that absolved them legally from taking care of their parents. And so on one hand, they could keep the law and be righteous. Declaring what they had as Corbin. On the other hand, I can basically take God's laws and God's commands and set them aside, still feeling that I'm righteous because I've dedicated all those things to God. Do you see? Now, it should be obvious that what I just explained is a joke. Uh, to, to anyone listening, you would just say, You didn't wait. You said it was God's. Yes, I did. But you're still using it. Yes, I am. And you don't have to give it to your parents. No, I don't. And you're still okay with God, and God wants that for you. Yes. How do you know? We made up the rules. That's how we wrote it. We could keep our own rules, still be in good, good graces with God, keep my own money, not be, not be responsible for my families. And you see how they gutted the law. The very heart of what God designed for, for family to be, where parents raise the children, and children turn around and take care of their their parents and their families in old age. The, the, The way that God designed it, they have set aside and said, we actually have a new and better way. Here's how it can work better. We can declare things Corbin. And by the way, not everybody could do that. Not everybody could do that. All right, now, so what Jesus does is Jesus pulls back the curtain, because Jesus calls them out on this. And he says, you honor me with your lips, you honor God with your lips, but I want to tell you something. He calls them hypocrites, and he says that their hands are clean, but their hearts are far from him. And you can see how if somebody was, was practicing this double life of, I, I, I'm a, a follower of God, I'm a worshiper of God, but I can set aside his laws when it's convenient for me, especially so that I might profit uh, um, materially. You can see how they're gutting the laws. So what do we see when we pull back the curtain? We see their system produces clean hands and dirty hearts. That's what we see. This system that they set up. We see that people are clean on the outside, but they're filthy and dirty on the inside and far from God. When we pull back the curtain, we see how this system creates a system of self-righteousness Where people can live as they want, but still in their own eyes be justified before a holy God. Now I want to take a look at the third aspect. So we've looked at the snapshot, right? We looked at the snapshot. Now we took a look at behind the curtain, what's actually going on. Now I want to take a look at this new teaching and this inside-out religion. So let's read 14 to 21 to review and to have this settle in our hearts. It says, again, Jesus told, uh, uh, Jesus called the crowd to him, and he said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Now, let me just stop there. This is Jesus very specifically sharing a new authoritative teaching. This is Jesus calling the crowds. This is Jesus inviting them. He says, listen, I want to give you a new teaching. I want to share with you what is right and true. In a sense, he's setting aside what the Pharisees are laying down and saying, follow us. And Jesus, literally, in the presence of the Pharisees and those around him, says, I want to give you a new teaching. He says, everyone understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. And we see this pattern and we see this process very often. Jesus shares in the crowds, but it's not quite clear. And so his disciples are going to follow up. Verse 18 says, Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their hearts, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Notice that parentheses again. This is Mark providing commentary that's really important for you to know. Uh, We'll get to that in just a second. He went on, what comes out of the person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Now notice this this, this list that Jesus is going to share with us, that it covers almost everything, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. He calls all these things evil. He says, all these evils come from inside and defile a person. So I've already mentioned that this is a new authoritative teaching. And what does it teach? What is it, in, in simplicity, what is Jesus teaching? Jesus is teaching about the location of what defiles us. And it's completely opposite of what the Pharisees were teaching about. Everything that was defiling for the Pharisees was on the outside, all the ceremonial laws of washing hands and pots and furniture. And Jesus is going to place the location of what actually defiles us inside, our hearts. And this new teaching shows us, so what defiles is not a matter of drink or food or externals. What defiles is a matter of the heart. It's internal. Now, just a a small little rabbit trail. I mentioned that, Paul, or that, that Mark mentions in parentheses that he declares all foods clean. This was revolutionary, and this was life-changing. Up until this point in time, Israel had always related to God through purity laws, ceremonial laws, uh, and laws about what was clean or unclean to eat. Mark provides a commentary here, that although Jesus didn't say it at this point in time, Jesus was releasing them from all of the food laws. And if we uh, were to kind of connect some stories here, we know that in Acts, right, this is many years later after, Peter is still wrestling with this, right? Jesus' own disciples wrestled with this reality that Jesus just released all people from relating to him based upon external things like foods, And we see, remember, uh, if you know the story about Peter, right? So Peter is going to see a sheet coming down from the heavens, and there's going to be all kinds of unclean animals. And, and Peter is given the, uh, the, the message from God, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And he's going to say, No, God have never done those things. And what Jesus is doing here, although it doesn't go fully into it, is that Jesus, knowing that he came to die to replace the sacrificial system, now also is going to release them from the food loss. And the reason this is so important that we, we need to get right here is that Jesus is coming and, and Jesus, God is now going to set up a system of salvation of what it looks like to be right before Him. Now let me just go back. If we go to the Old Testament, and you probably have gotten lost in Leviticus before. You probably started reading through the Bible. Uh, and, and maybe Leviticus was the place that you're... you're I'm going to read through the Bible and you year died as you read chapter after chapter of the holiness laws. So we need to get at just something right here when we talk about Jesus coming in and, and giving a new teaching. The age-old problem that goes back to Adam and Eve in the garden and is the reason that Adam and Eve were dismissed from the garden, out of grace, not punishment, out of grace, is that a holy God cannot be with sinful people. And the key question that took place out of the garden is, once Adam and Eve have sinned, that God was was absolutely right and just to require their their lives for sin. And God in His mercy does not take their lives but instead he makes them leave the garden. And the question that begins to unfold is, well, how is this holy God going to somehow come back and relate to his people? One of the things that becomes very clear in the Old Testament is when God calls a people to himself in Israel and he makes promises to Abraham and he calls them out and he gives them his law, he's going to give them a system of sacrifice. And so that Israel, being sinful and still committing sins, had a way of approaching a holy God. And the system didn't all of a sudden make them holy, but what it did was God allowed a system where they would bring sacrifices and they would bring them to the priests and the priests would sacrifice those animals and God would allow the blood of that animal to cover their sins. But it didn't make them righteous. What God was doing was showing mercy. He was showing grace. He was allowing sinful people away to, get to, uh, to, to be in his presence. And in fact, that sacrificial system allowed God to live among his people. God pursued them. God came back, and when Adam and Eve uh, were, were pushed out of the garden because of their sin, isn't it amazing that God comes back, and he calls himself a people, and he says, I'm going to plant myself in your midst, but here's how I'm going to solve the problem. I'm going to give you a way of sacrificing and becoming clean. So, but, and there was rules around that. There was rules and rules and rules. Israel had to watch what they ate. Israel had to, to uh, be clean in order to come and present a sacrifice. The, the priest had to be clean in order to offer a sacrifice to God. And that is how the Jews understood there's a holy God that lives in our midst... And when we follow these rules that he has graciously and mercifully given to us, he allows sinful people to come in front of a holy God. And this is the system that the Pharisees take and then they build out. They said, well, if priests clean their hands, then let's apply it to everyone everywhere. And they began to relate to God basically only on how they kept ceremonial purity laws and how they kept the food laws. And so now when you come and Jesus says it's not what defiles you, it's not what goes in, it's what comes out, Jesus completely changed the way they related to God inside out. You have to understand the force that this would have hit his disciples, which is why they didn't get it when Jesus said it, and it's why they pursued it afterwards, and they still didn't get it because even in Acts and as we go along, we're going to find out that Jesus' disciples are still trying to figure out how do we build a church When the reality is we have Jews and we have Gentiles and at the heart of the Jewish system was we had these rules of how we came before God that made us clean or unclean. So what Jesus is doing here is Jesus turns everything inside out. And Jesus is going to locate what's wrong with us not in dirty hands. And not whether we kept all the specifics of the law. Jesus in his death is going to come and set aside the sacrificial system. There will no longer be... a a sacrifice required, Jesus is going to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's no longer going to need to be a system of priests. Jesus is going to stand between his people and the Father. And there's no longer going to be a need to wash all the cups and all the pitchers and eat all the right foods because Jesus says, listen, that was a pointer. All those rules that I gave you were to point to you and show me sin is serious and you can't approach me in any old way. You will approach me the way that I invite you to come. And washing your hands was just a symbol to let you know you're not clean. But when Jesus comes, he's going to show us that he came to make us clean. And that's where I want to move as we bring this sermon to an end, as we take a look. So Jesus is going to identify the inside, our hearts, as the location that defiles us, not what's outside. Now, when this story ends, obviously we're not provided the solution. But I want to point you towards the gospel hope of what God is doing before we end this sermon. In the New Covenant, in Ezekiel 36, 25-27, I want to point you towards what is the solution. If the Pharisees' system was about cleaning up the outside, and we did that by keeping rules... And Jesus flips that system inside out. And he says, no, it's the inside, it's the heart where all the stuff comes from. Then here's the question. We can clean our hands. But how do we clean our hearts? Who can clean their heart? And this is the problem. The Pharisee system was a little bit black and white. Did they clean their hands? Did they do all of the ceremonial things that we think make them righteous? If Jesus says it's the other way around, the problem is left unsolved. But this is where we can take what we know of the new covenant. All along, God had been promising. We've been seeing uh, hints and we've been seeing shadows of the fact that God always uses covenant as a way to relate to his people. Today, we make covenants to each other. The reason we make covenant commitments as a church membership is because God makes covenants again and again and again with his people to help them understand what relationship looks like with Him. And in the coming of Jesus, remember when Jesus is, spends His last night with His disciples and He's going to bring about uh, uh, a, a new era of how we relate to God. Jesus calls this the New Covenant. and the New Covenant, Jesus says this in Ezekiel 36, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all of your idols and I will give you a new heart And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone, excuse me, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Jesus turns the inside, the system inside out. And in the new covenant, which we don't see in this passage, but We know that Jesus has come and He's going to initiate a new way of relating to God. And it's no longer through the sacrifices and it's no longer through the cleansings. Jesus has come to cleanse our hearts. Jesus has come to remove our hearts of stone and to give us a heart of flesh that will follow Him. And so God is going to turn religion inside out. And He's going to do the work of a surgeon and give us new hearts to follow Him. Here's where I want to end this morning. We started with this idea of, I showed you the picture, and the question was, what is wrong with the picture? Where you're at right now, there's there's basically two types of people in this room this morning. It's those who have come to know Christ and have been given that new heart, or those who are perhaps Interested observers, but they have not given Christ their heart. They're not followers. So let me just address those two people. Let me talk to those who are not yet followers of Jesus. Here's what I want to invite you to do. Right now, just like that picture that I showed you, there is something wrong with the picture that you're holding. And the reason there's something wrong is that right now you have a picture in your mind of how you relate to God. And I don't know exactly what your preferences are, but when we choose, we all tend a certain way to find ourselves just before God, whether it's our good works or the way that we, uh, we have chosen certain paths in life. We all have a system that we think justifies us before God. And here's how it works unless you're willing to give up your system, just like the Pharisees, unless you're willing to give up that system of how you are relating to God, you will not ever be able to address the true issue, which is the heart issue. You can't do that. Only God can. So if you're here and you're an interested observer, you're attending but you're not sure, here's the first thing I want to invite you to do. The first thing you'll have to do, just like the Pharisees, if you're going to begin to follow Jesus, is to give up the system that you have that somehow relates to God out of your own righteousness. You're defining life somehow, and you're relating to God somehow, and you believe that that is making you right before God, and you're going to have to give up that system. The second person I want to talk to this morning is those who are followers of Jesus, because here's the truth. I know for myself And I know the constant challenge is that we all begin the race of faith by grace, but we easily begin to veer off into other areas. So let me invite you that know Jesus Christ. What are the areas that you know you're you're beginning to relate to God out of systems of keeping rules and righteousness? What's your area? Where do you struggle? We all have our, our specific areas. Think about your your parenting. Think about your relationship with your spouse. Think about your relationship with the Lord. All of us have these little well-worn paths that we get back into of relating to God out of what we do rather than the work that He desires to do in our own hearts. So let me just invite you. Would you just take 30 seconds and invite the Holy Spirit to show you where am I setting up systems again? That's what I do. I set up systems of how... I relate to God. So let me just invite you. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where am I putting up systems again in my life that cause me to think of myself wrongly, to think of others wrongly, to judge others in this church, to judge my spouse, to judge my children, to judge my own life based upon keeping the outside clean. And let me encourage you as you have that dialogue with the Holy Spirit to just ask, what is the first step? What do I do today? What do I do today to begin to allow God to address the real issues of my heart? Let me close for us as you continue just asking the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were bold enough to push back against the systems that we make This morning we saw a snapshot of how your own people, not a people that were far from you, not a a culture and a people that didn't know you and didn't have your law, but the very people that you called to yourself and gave your laws and gave them promises and prophets. God, that we begin to create systems of how we relate to you And this morning we ask God, take those from us. Open our eyes to the ways that we are are making ourselves good enough for you. God, pull back the curtain on our hearts. Show us, just as Jesus did, show us where we are hypocritical. Where we are saying one thing about who who our identity is as followers of Jesus Christ. But in reality, we're walking out another life. And God, we do invite you to remind us of this new authoritative teaching that what defiles us is what comes from within. Our hearts, Jesus says, aren't just defiled, Jesus calls evil. And all the things that pour out of our hearts in these actions are a result of of dirty, unclean hearts. We thank you for your promise that you take out our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh. We pray that for every person that you're working in this morning, who is inviting you, Holy Spirit, to work on their hearts, I pray that you would help them take the first step of obedience today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.